0: You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we
1: give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to reporter Jacob Beckwith about his experience attending and writing about the March for Life in Washington, D.C. We'll also be talking to Jillian Parks about a story she wrote about two siblings who are on the club hockey team together. Then I'll talk to Lauren about the opinions page this week. And then Lauren will talk to me about an obituary I wrote about a longtime board member of the Hillsdale College college board of trustees. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Jacob Beckwith, a reporter for The Collegian, and this week he wrote a story about the March for Life in D.C. Jacob, tell me a little bit about this story and what your experience was writing it.
2: Yeah, for sure, and thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Yeah, it was a great experience writing it. It was an easy article to take because I was actually going. I was part of the trip, so I rode the buses down, Uh, spent the entire uh, Thursday night in the bus, in a crammed bus with 50 other students, Uh, but it was a great experience a lot of fun to be down there with just a you know a whole plethora of different people from all over the United States and uh, it was just crazy to see how full DC was like we got to the top of a hill at one point and I looked back and I could just see s- the swarm of people as far as, as like as far as you could see down the street there was just so many people in one place all advocating for the same thing and it was powerful
1: had you ever been to the March for Life before going with Hillsdale?
2: I had not. This was my first time, actually. And I'm glad I went. I felt like if I was going to go, this was the year to go, especially with the, the recent Supreme Court decision. I felt like there'd be a lot of enthusiasm this year, and I wanted to be a part of it.
1: What was the news of this story? Like, what was different from past years?
2: Yeah, a couple different things. The main thing uh, that I've been hearing from the people I talked to uh, and for, that I saw from my personal experience was there were so few counter protesters. I didn't see one myself not a single counter-protester. And especially with all the protests we've seen over the past couple of years, especially in D.C., it was surprising to see nobody that was trying to make a stand against us. Uh, I did hear that there were counter-protests in Atlanta, so I guess that was kind of the gathering spot for counter-protesters, uh, but didn't see any in any D.C., which was surprising. The other main change was uh, we had a lot of people go. I think we had uh, 150 total students go, uh, which is I'm pretty sure a record. I don't think we've topped that uh, in previous years.
1: What were, I heard there were some, you know, struggles along the way yes. getting there. Tell me about that.
2: Yes. It just made the trip more fun. You know, uh, we were supposed to get like arrive in DC at 8am. We didn't get into DC until ten thirty am which in the grand scheme of things, isn't that big of a deal, except when we're trying to get to breakfast and then get situated in the hotel and then be at the pre rally before 11 then getting there at ten thirty makes it all impossible. Uh, also, when we were in D.C., you know, weaving through these tight streets and a massive uh, coach bus, we uh, rounded this corner at one point, the bus I was on, uh, and somehow didn't make the turn wide enough, ran into the corner of a truck that was parked uh, on that street. And so the corner of that truck just shattered the back three windows of the bus. So I was actually in the, in the back of the bus. I was right across the aisle from the windows that shattered. The students there just like immediately hit the ground because they didn't want to you know get hit by the glass and we all don't didn't know what happened there was just a loud bang and then the scraping sound is the you know truck cracked all, all three of those windows but everyone was okay all the glass fell out instead of in so um and everyone was fine but we just had to walk the rest of the way which was a little bit annoying and made us really late we missed the entire pre-march rally
1: what was sort of your favorite part of the whole experience
2: it was definitely after the march like the march was powerful but being able to walk from monument to monument and read about the history of, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. These are, you see these all the time on the news or, you know, pictures of them in the history books. But to be actually standing in front of them and seeing how large they are and especially the World War II Memorial really hit me too as well. Like being able to see all the stars of, like each star represents a hundred soldiers that lost their life. And to see all of those lined up was really powerful.
1: What was it like to make this trip and do the march with other Hillsdale students?
2: Yeah, I think it, it was, all, first of all, and foremost, a lot of fun. I got to go with friends, and so we hung out the whole time, went to the memorials together, so that was great. It would have been not as fun to go by myself. But I think also it's a testament to the college itself because we pride ourselves in allowing students to advocate for what they believe and stand up for what they think is morally correct. And so that freedom then, you can see an example of that, in a massive group of students going down to D.C. Uh, to advocate for the March for Life,
1: yeah, and I think that big number is really indicative of the student population because it's not just that you're standing up for what you believe; it's that you're taking a big amount of time, right, out of time that you could be spending on homework and other things to I mean, go do this. Every
2: student that went missed all their classes on Friday, and I mean, I had f- I had four classes on Friday that I missed, and I had to email each of those profs. And some of them, you know, told me that I, that would be one of my excused absences. And some of them said, you know, that's going to go against your, your grade. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. So it's definitely a sacrifice, but it, it was really cool to see that that many students are willing to make that sacrifice.
1: What was your biggest takeaway from the whole experience, do you think?
2: I thought it was powerful to see that people had decided that they still wanted to fight for this. It wasn't a, okay, we had the Supreme Court decision. Finally, it's overturned. Now I can kind of, that box is checked and, and kind of stop talking about this, advocating uh, for this. It was really powerful to see people still showing up to have one of the largest March for Lives we've ever seen. And people knowing that now we have to have legislative change. It's not just a Supreme Court issue anymore. We're not... I mean, what was really powerful about the march itself is we marched to the steps of the Capitol building. Whereas in all the previous years, we would march to the steps of the Supreme Court because that's the change we wanted. And now that finally we've had that overturned in the Supreme Court... We march the steps to the capital because now it's in the hands of legislators.
1: Well, thank you for coming on the show, Jacob.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Radio Free Hillsdale's The Collegian Week in Review continues.
3: This is Lauren, and I'm here with Jillian Parks, the Collegian social media manager and reporter. She wrote a story about a special kind of camaraderie in club hockey. So. Tell me about this, Jillian. I did
0: write a story this week about a special kind of camaraderie, is what Lauren called it. Um, I'm going to call it siblings, because they are. They are brother and sister. It's Austin and Lauren. They Austin graduated in 21, and Lauren is now a junior slash sophomore. I think things are tricky because she transferred or whatever. But yeah, so basically Lauren joined the club hockey team this year because her brothers always played hockey, and they've always... She said that it was a really inspiring thing to watch him love the sport so much. And so Austin decided to come back for like weekend games to help with either scrimmages, practices or giving pointers. Um, so they basically get to share the ice together.
3: Are they pretty close as siblings from what you can tell from
0: talking to them? He, she said in the interview that I had with her that they, he is her best friend. So I would take that and say yes, quite close. Now I know that Austin
3: kind of had a little journey traveling to Texas right after graduation but then he decided to return to his alma mater so tell me about that. He
0: moved to Texas and he was a middle school teacher. He was supposed to be a sports coach of some sort. I can't remember which kind but then things got all swapped around last minute and he ended up teaching history and English. Then he got a job offer from somewhere in northern Michigan at least I think it's north of here at least and he works there now. He's a reporter for Michigan News Source and he really likes his job there so fellow reporters shout out gang but yeah so he moved up here to do something he I guess likes more he gets paid more and he gets to be close to his dear dear sister tell me
3: more about Austin's hockey journey and how Lauren has been influenced by that
0: from what I gather Austin played in high school no he didn't play in high school he thought it was cool in high school and then he came here to college and they kind of took him under their wing the team did and he basically learned alongside them with like what other roller hockey knowledge he had but nothing ice hockey related and once they took him under his wing he found out he really enjoyed the sport and that he was actually really good at it so he continued along that path throughout his time here and they were in the playoffs his junior year uh and then COVID hit and so they weren't unable to go to playoffs. And then COVID was the rest of his senior year, so the hockey team did not come back. And so he actually didn't get to finish out his time here, which is a major bummer. But now he gets to come back and kind of revive that that experience for him.
3: What is special about the club hockey team at Hillsdale? I hear there's a few significant things to mention.
0: Well, um, so the Hillsdale hockey team is co-ed, but Lauren is the only girl. They don't discriminate on the basis of gender. Um, but Lauren is the only woman because hockey is a dangerous sport from what I can tell. They're in a non-contact league. Like, they're not allowed to be checking each other and stuff, but they're on the ice. Acc- accidents are bound to happen, so there is a little bit of worry there.
3: All right, thanks for joining us.
2: This is the Collegian Week in Review.
1: This is Maddie, and I'm here with Lauren, my co-host and the assistant opinions editor of the Collegian. She's here to talk to us about the opinions page this week. Lauren, I heard that there was an interesting opinion uh, or set of opinions on the page this week about a certain Disney princess. Tell me a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah, so the opinion section loves to do side-by-side opinions from time to time. And this week, it was about whether Mulan is a Disney princess or not. And, you know, at first I did think it was a little silly that a college newspaper, a respected one at that, was running two articles about a Disney princess. It just seemed kind of, I don't know, didn't we leave that behind in like first grade? But to my surprise, it did spark quite the conversation in the Collegiate office. And so for those of you who haven't seen Mulan, myself included, it's about this- For wh- shame. I'm sorry. I mean, I saw it when I was really little, but I don't even remember the basic plot, really. But I know that Mulan is like a warrior girl, and she's not born into royalty, and she doesn't marry into royalty. The person she marries, his name is Shang, at the end of the second movie is just a general in the army. He's not even a prince. And let's say that this guy even was a prince the second movie technically isn't Disney canon, which means it's not officially part of the Disney storyline. So these opinions, you know, one girl was arguing she was a princess. The other was arguing she was not. And I believe the girl who's saying, who said she was a princess took a definition of the word princess from urban dictionary, which basically just meant a princess can be someone who is heroic which seems like most anybody could be a disney princess with that kind of definition but nonetheless it sh- it did strike some conversation
1: do you think it's good to have more lighthearted pieces like this in the collegian
3: i do i think even the lighthearted pieces can bring about topics of significant importance so the girl who is arguing that mulan is not a disney princess At first, I thought the argument was kind of really silly. But when I got to the end of her piece, she made the point that if Disney is redefining what a princess is, who are they to say that, like, a man or an animal couldn't be a princess? So I did think that kind of put things into perspective that not just anyone can be a princess, like, just because you're a really cool person doesn't mean you're a princess. And so her argument was basically like, we should just stick to objective truth and objective definitions and not let some big company redefine
1: words for us. What were some other interesting opinions on the page this week?
3: One that I really liked in particular was one about our food catering service, Met's Culinary Management, and how they should start providing lemons and soy sauce in the dining hall. And when I first read this, I kind of thought it would be just very much of a personal preference type thing. Like, oh, this person must really like lemons and think soy sauce tastes good. So I didn't think it would actually be like that significant or worthy of making anyone consider this request. But I will have to say I was wrong. As I started to read the opinion, the writer went into a lot of detail about how lemons are a really great source of nutrition and one of the things that they offer is vitamin d which especially during the winter we don't get much of because we're here in michigan and also lemons are apparently a really good source of collagen which makes your skin look really pretty and so not only do lemons taste really good and they can add a lot of flavor to your food there are a lot of health benefits. And then as far as soy sauce goes, uh, the writer talked a lot how she grew up with her mom's cooking and she's from an Asian background. And so soy sauce is basically like salt to them. And it is pretty often that Mets will provide a sort of stir fry, but there will be no soy sauce. And for someone who comes from an Asian background, Um, which there are many students on campus who do. It's kind of like serving fries without salt. So having soy sauce would actually be a really good addition to um, the dining hall. So both two things that at first glance I kind of thought were insignificant, but as I read more, she made really great arguments about it and she convinced me. Well, thanks for sharing Lauren. Yeah, of course.
2: This is the Collegian Week in Review.
3: This is Lauren, and I'm here with Maddie Welsh, my co-host and the news editor of The Collegian. And she wrote a story this week about a longtime board member dying at the age of 97 so tell me a little bit about this man and why it's important to remember him
1: yeah absolutely so this is an obituary for frank shakespeare he was born in 1925 in new york and he died just about a month ago when we were gone for the christmas break um he was an absolutely remarkable man he spent his life um, basically his whole life faithfully serving our country Um, He was a devout Catholic. Frank Shakespeare was on the Board of Trustees from 1976 until 2013, so about 37 years he was faithfully serving the college. He didn't go to the college, um, so he was just really dedicated to the mission of it and liked that mission. Um, When he was a young man, he went to the College of the Holy Cross um, and got his bachelor's degree, but he actually interrupted his education to serve in World War II as a naval officer. So that really demonstrates his commitment and his love for our country. Um, After that, after he graduated and served in the military, he Got into media. He started out working in radio. He did ads for radio, and then later on in the 60s, he was a big executive at CBS. Which, um, historically, television networks at that time there were only three or four television networks. Um, so absolutely everything that was on TV came from these three or four networks. Uh, and so the fact that he was at the top of one of those is huge. I mean that that shows you that he was a huge person in media and he really knew his stuff and knew what he was doing. Um, after he worked at CBS for a while, he worked on Richard Nixon's presidential campaign trail in 1968. So what he did for that is he worked with a team of media experts one of whom was Roger Ailes who um, is the who was the founder of Fox News um, so working with a lot of other big names. Um, And what they did is they made television promotions, one of the things they did, for Richard Nixon. And this really changed the game of political promotions. Um, They, Nixon had a little bit of a shaky image. He had not really looked super great in the public eye. As we know, historically, that would become the case once more at the end of his presidency. But at the beginning of his presidency, you know, he won. He won his election. Um, And, Arguably a big part of that is the political advertisements that Frank Shakespeare and this team of people put on TV. What they did is they made him seem more conversational, more close to the people, um, would use images and language to just promote his image and, you know, make him look good. that's what a promotion does. So since then, television promotions for uh, political candidates have been almost indispensable. Um, And before Frank Shakespeare and this team for Richard Nixon, they were not what they are now. So he was huge in that, which is a really interesting and long lived legacy that he made. Um, After he did that, he was appointed by Richard Nixon to serve on a government agency relating to communications. He um, in that role dedicated a lot to freedom of ideas. One thing that he did is he had libraries who were under, um, this agency. He had them include more conservative reading materials in their libraries. Um, so he was really dedicated to, you know, that freedom of ideas and promoting that. Um, probably the most fascinating thing about, uh, Frank Shakespeare is that later on, he actually was a diplomat under Ronald Reagan. He never had had any plans to become a diplomat. Um, but he was friends with Ronald Reagan. He worked in, um, you know, communications and, and government under Ronald Reagan. And Reagan knew that Frank Shakespeare had a great interest in Portugal and from a religious story that originates out of Portugal. he had always been fascinated by this religious story. Um, so Reagan approached him, asked him to be the ambassador to Portugal, which... It's not something he ever considered, but he did it. And he served in that position. Um, and then later on, again, Frank Shakespeare was a very devout Catholic man. Um, Reagan asked him to be the ambassador to the Vatican. And he was only the second ever ambassador to the Vatican, which is super fascinating. While he served in that role, he was a part of um, the conversations that Reagan and John Paul Pope John Paul II had. In the midst of the Cold War, those two men were great allies. In the Cold War, they were dedicated to fighting communism, um, and Frank Shakespeare was uh, a big part in. You know, he had relationships with both men, so it's just very fascinating how he was a part of that era of history. And it's it's an era of history that we, you know, take very seriously at Hillstill. So, very fascinating.
3: What did Dr. Arne have to say about his friendship with Shakespeare?
1: Yeah, Dr. Arn um, was able to talk to us a little bit about Frank Shakespeare. He said he was a great friend. He said that he was, um, you know, very lively, um, but also very respectful, very gracious.
3: All right. Thank you, Maddie. You have been listening to the Collegian Week in Review with your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at HillsdaleCollegian.com. Or on Instagram and Twitter at HDale Collegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Weekend Review at CWIR.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Weekend Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.